Once upon a time, in a faraway land, I woke up and realized I am going to be a dentist. <laughs> Said like no one ever. These are the real stories, not fairy tales, as we go behind the smiles. This is a podcast where we interview and chat with some of the biggest leaders in dentistry, learn their stories, and share their motivation with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Today's podcast is brought to you by Yappy, an automated paperless software for dentists and their teams. Learn more at yappyapp.com. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Smiles. Today, I'm here with my friend, Dr. Matt Healy. Matt is a general dentist in Billerica, Massachusetts. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you today? Happy Valentine's, Gina. Thank Thanks you. Thank you. Um, so I, I have so many questions for you, but I was wondering if you can just start by telling us a little bit about your journey in dentistry, why you chose this as a profession, and how you ended up here. Um, I always wanted to be a dentist since I was probably eighth or ninth grade. My neighbor was a dentist, and you know, <clears throat> I was the oldest person in the neighborhood. I was at the paper routes. I was the babysitter. I got to know this guy pretty well. And I said, you know what? I want to be like him. You know, he has a nice job and, you know, he just seems like a good guy. So, you know, I got to know him a little bit. Uh, When I was in high school, I said I wanted to be a dentist. I asked him for some input into what I should do in college. And he guided me in college and then, you know, about to graduate college. And I said, I'm really going to dental school. And uh, so he helped me out with you know the application process and things to look out for, and um, and then I graduated dental school, did a residency, and when I finished my residency, he said, you know, uh, I could use someone like you in my office. My associate is leaving, and love to have you come work with me. That's so and cool. So I worked with him for over two years. Wow. Um, and uh, it, it was a great, great, uh, it was a mentorship is what it was for the, those dozen years or so that I was uh, with him since I knew him. Um, and, you know, he was very, very impactful in where I am right now. Uh, he taught me things about, you know, dentistry, the business of dentistry. And um, so I cultivated all those wisdoms that I got from him. and. And here I am. That's so awesome. It's it's amazing to have this mentor presence in your life. And I think that uh, for a lot of young dentists, especially those who are um, going into DSOs, it's very difficult for them to find that mentorship. And and it's um, it, it could be really influential if you, if they find the right mentor. Yeah, I, I agree. There's actually um, a I actually have a student in my office currently. Uh, he's going to dental school uh, in the fall. He's going to BU. And he was um, a patient of mine, and he went to a local college here in Massachusetts, and he always wanted to be a dentist like myself. And he you know, reached out to me and said, you know, can I observe you? I want to see if I like dentistry. So he, for the past two summers, he would observe us one or two days a week, uh, and then when he got into dental school, I said, do you want to come and be a de- dental assistant in my office? And um, there's some limitations that uh, for him because he doesn't have a lot of the 
specific training and certifications that Massachusetts requires, but he does a lot of stuff. Um, uh, teach him how to do some lab stuff, uh, which is very, you know, important very cool. to get into school, uh, waxing stuff, um, helping out with the, the hygienist charting, um, restorations and perio charting and that sort of thing. So he's getting a big leg up, I think, uh, compared to a lot of other students that are going to be in his class. Absolutely. I When I went to dental school, I already had a lot of uh, dental experience, not necessarily clinical, but just running a business uh, side of dentistry. And I think and I, it helped me a lot. And it's funny, I actually had, so I was working right before dental school, I was working as an office manager for a large group practice, multi-location group practice, and I was managing their operations. And um, the dentist, when, when I told him I will be going to dental school, the dentist set me down and he said, don't do it. <laughs> I don't oh see, he said, don't do it. I don't see you spending the rest of your life covered in ivory dust. And, uh, you know, and when I was in dental school, I actually started to wonder if he was right. Uh, but I, you know, I obviously have no regrets. You, any regrets? None whatsoever. I have exactly what I want. Would you recommend your kids to go into dentistry? I would. I would because there's, uh, there's a big upside to being a dentist. Um, I think paramount is you can control what you want to do. If you want to work part-time, you can do that. If you want to own your own practice, you can do that. If you want to be a partner with somebody, you can do that. There's just so many different ways to go about this. Um, you, hear, you read a lot about it online where um, you can become part of a DSO. You can be uh, a group partner or something like that. So there's lots of ways to do it. There's not only one way. And I chose my way because that's the way I, that works for me. That's so true. Um, I spend a lot of time on Facebook, uh, dental groups, and on Dental Town, probably way too much time. And I read a lot of uh, doom and gloom threads about, you know, where dentistry is is going. Uh, But I know that's not your outlook, right? No, you don't agree no. with that. Tell, tell me what your outlook is on the future of dentistry. I, I think um, dentistry is going to be, uh, still is a great profession. And for this young man who's uh, working in my office right now, it's going to be a great profession for him as well. Dentists have different styles and they are all doing fine. That's so true. And you and I, our practices are very different. Uh, I have this, you know, group practice where, which gives me my flexibility that, that I want to be able to do other things, to travel, to spend more time with kids. Uh, you're in a solo practice. So let's talk about your way because you also have the flexibility and, and uh, the lifestyle that you want. And yet you're practicing by yourself. Tell me about your practice. So uh, I'm a solo practitioner. Um, I'm 21 years into a solo practice. Um, I have one dental assistant. I have eight hygiene days a week uh, and one front desk person. Um, We maximize all of our abilities to give the most that we possibly can. Um, Some days we're at full capacity. Other days like today, we were nowhere near capacity. 
that's okay. That's all right. At some point, at the end of the year, you'll look at how you did, and we always seem to do better than the year before. <laughs> that it, it just works out that way. Um, yes, I do put some effort into it. Um, I have friends who put a ton of effort into it and get a lot more return because of their effort. I put some effort into it, and I get a little more return each year. So I'm, I'm very pleased where I am right now. <clears throat> could I cruise at where I, where I am currently? I could, but I get bored. And so I want to kind of tweak things here, tweak things there and uh, learn a new technique and implement other types of procedures in my practice, depending on the, the wants of my patient base. And it, it's reflected in year to year to year that we just keep doing better and better and better. Um, one of the things I love about being a solo practitioner is um, the life work balance that uh, you hear a lot of dentists talk about. Um, I try to limit my days, my number of days per year to around 168 days, which is like 14 days a, a month of work, uh, seeing patients. Um, that seems to work out pretty good for myself. I've worked as low as like 158 days. But that's when my kids were really young. I was taking off a lot of time. Um, uh, I know Scott Luna talks about the retire twice type of idea where when you have a young family, you really kind of slow down. I was working, geez, maybe 22 hours a week when my kids were really young. I was home for dinner every night. That's awesome. Uh, I was home early in the afternoon, two days a week. Um, you know, I had three-day weekends. Uh, so I, I made, it, made it a point to be available for my kids. Uh, as my kids got older, they got less interested in me. And so I started working, you know, a little bit later, a couple of days a week. And I still get out early on two days a week. So um, it, it's, a, it's a nice balance that I have. Now, yeah. let me ask you a question. When you cut down, was it a difficult decision to cut down to 22 hours to be home with the kids and worrying about the loss of income? No, no, I wasn't really concerned. Um, I was saving a lot, wasn't really spending a whole lot. You know, I, did, I really didn't think about the lost income or the, the growth I was going to lose because of spending more time with my family. Uh, I, I found that to be more important. I, I looked at it as that I was earning a lot of money and I could afford to take time off. And that's fine. It works. You know, it's funny. I was just chatting with uh, our practice on Fireboys on WhatsApp, and uh, they were talking about overhead. And I think Tim, somebody told Tim that if you work four yeah. days a week instead of three, then your overhead would be lower. And uh, and Tim said, but that would affect my lifestyle overhead. <laughs> and, I, and I told him, I'm definitely feeling it. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly it. That's that's it in a nutshell. My. Um, my lifestyle overhead um, at that time and still is to this day, you know, is very, very important. So my, my lifestyle overhead was very, very low um, back then. And it was great when I would nev never change it for a second. Don't regret it at, at all. So it was um, well worth it. Every, awesome. every cent. Awesome. So you have a, an incredibly successful private practice and uh, it's, I believe it's fee for service, correct? Correct. Uh, what 
procedures? I know you, you offer expanded um, line of services, uh, but what procedures do you feel really contributed to your uh, growth and, and uh, you know, your low overhead and your ability to take the time off while still producing at a high level? Um, the first thing I did was um, learn sedation. Um, I do oral conscious sedation, and but in Massachusetts, in order to uh, titrate um, oral meds, you need to be able to, to do IV sedation. So I became IV certified. Um, I just never got into doing IVs like some of my friends are. Um, I do, you know, the oral can the oral. Conscious sedation seems to work out very, very well for myself. Um, that was probably the, the first thing that I did that really um, made a big impact in my practice. Um, I know it sounds like hyperbole, but it truly was because uh, I went to see uh, Dr. Silverman lecture on OCS, and I said, I got to do this. So I signed up, learned how to do it, um, and then... Once I looked into the uh, regulations in Massachusetts, that's when I realized that I could certainly do one pill, but some of these folks needed a lot more than just one pill. They needed two. And in order to do that, I would have to get IV certified. So I took a week off, went down to Montefiore in the Bronx, and took a, a whole week course where you did the IV draw the IV, wrote down all the, you record all the recordings and that sort of thing. And um, you mixed up the different meds. And it was very, very um, interesting to see how that process all worked. Um, another thing that worked for me was um, starting to place implants. Um, I am not, I don't do these huge cases. I do ones and twos. Uh, implants, and I've been doing that probably probably 10 years now, maybe. Um, so, you know, do a handful of implants every month, and it, it's, a, it's a nice little thing to do. Um, some of the other things that we do, um, I started working on my hygiene um, stuff, where getting hygienists um, trained in how to communicate. Um, there's, um, uh, you, you know, uh, Mike Melkers, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has, uh, he had a woman named Mary Osborne, and he brought her over to um, Boston a couple of times, and I brought my staff, and my staff love Mary Osborne. They think that she is uh, a wonderful communicator, and it was a very nice way of talking with your patients and helping your patients understand uh, where their mouth is and how to um, get patients to say yes to treatment. Um, it, was, it wasn't slick. It wasn't a hard sell or anything like that, like some of these other things that you see on Dental Town or whatever. It was a very nice conversation with your patients. And um, if anyone else knows uh, Mary, you, would, you know what I'm talking about. She, um, my staff still uses her um, conversation pieces, as she calls them, to 
communicate with patients. So I think those three things really made a big impact in my practice. What are some of the things that you think a young dentist should start learning straight out of uh, dental school or residency to really get the edge on the competition? Um, well, when I first got out of school, um, I was very heavily involved in the Academy of General Dentistry, AGD, and I got my fellowship. And when you're doing these courses or trying to attain your fellowship, you need to take courses and then you get your fellowship. And then the next thing would be to get your mastership, your MAGD from the AGD. And what I found was you have to take certain classes and fulfill certain categories. So you have to do stuff in, you know, pedo and removable as well as crown and bridge and some of the other things, surgery. Um, so you would have to go find these courses and learn how to do all the stuff so that you can become almost like a um, Swiss army knife of general dentistry. Um, that's where I learned how to do a lot of the procedures that I do today. Um, so for a young person, I would encourage you once you graduate dental school, now you have the basics. Now you need to really, you know, put your nose to the rhinestone and start taking classes on some of these other disciplines so that you can um, really become uh, efficient in your delivery of uh, patient care so that you're not doing it for the first time in your own solo practice uh, because you could get in a little trouble. But take classes and learn how to do these different things. You know, in dental school, for example, I didn't know how to do a stainless steel crown on a kid. Um, but I took a couple of classes from Dr. Greg uh, Salsas out in um, Washington State, I think it is. Um, what a wonderful guy he was uh, to listen to and see how he practices. Um, he was a great, great uh, uh, teacher that I really uh, loved. And I took his class, had to be 15 years ago, if not more. Um, it was very, very impactful. Um, there are lots of people along the way that I learned different stuff from, uh, like Steve Buchanan. Uh, he's an endodontist, um, I think, in California. Yeah. Uh, he learned, he taught me a lot of good stuff. Uh, lots of people out there. You got you to take uh, these, um, these workshops and learn how to do these participation type courses because there's a lot of great information out there that any of us can uh, learn how to be a better uh, dentist. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about practice management. You have a pretty long-term team yep. and, um, you know, I've never seen you complain once about your team or that, you know, business is hard. I don't like to manage people. I don't know how to motivate employees, all that stuff. So how do you do it? What's your leadership style and how did you come into this leadership style? Um, well, <clears throat> I'm kind of a, as most dentists are, I'm kind of shy, introverted, um, don't like confrontation. So I try to build a team that can complement me. Um, I have a dental assistant who is, um, well, we'll let you know that something's not right. Um, and my front desk was, is very good at um, 
being a wonderful host. She would be a great host in a restaurant. Um, and then the other things, uh, as far as being, you know, front desk person, she just learned how to do. And she, we broke her some habits that she had at other dental offices. And, but now she's a great front desk person. She's been with me, I want to say five or six years now. Um, she's a wonderful person. I, I mean, my staff is wonderful. Um, they're nice people. Um, they're always joking around, saying funny things. Um, they're in my staff. They all were friends before they came into my office as, uh, as employees. Um, now I even had some other people who have since retired from my practice, but every one of them are live in town and they're all friends and they're friends in the office. There's very little that I have to do as far as managing, um, you know, a couple things here and there, once a month, twice a month. Uh, but it's, it's nothing that needs to a stern talking to. I don't think I've raised my voice with my staff in years, in years. I don't think it's been, I can't remember the last time I yelled at a staff or not yell, but, you know, was like, you know, we need, cross. To we need to talk yeah. because it, they, they all know who, the way I am and what I expect. And I think if you lay those ground rules um, and you have a staff that is mature, uh, I'm the youngest person in my office. My staff <clears throat> is very mature. Um, they could make a great mom to anybody, any one of us, or a grandmother to any one of us if you're young enough. Um, but they're, they're good people. And I think if you have good people, um, you should have very little uh, issues with uh, managing a staff. Yeah, I have uh, my uh, team members mostly younger than me. There are a few who are older, but mostly they're they're millennials. Uh, but they're also very mature. They're emotionally mature, and yep. and and that's the key. Um, you know, I was listening to you speak and, and yesterday Mike Ling and I had another webinar answering questions about, uh, employees and, you know, we talked about toxic employees. We talked about attracting and retaining good team. And as I was listening to you, I kind of remember that, um, something that Mike Link always says, uh, when someone says, how do you attract great people and retain great staff? Well, the, his answer is don't be a dick. Exactly. And I was listening to you and I remembered that quote. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, a lot of great things about, um, your practice, but you know, I'm sure it didn't get this way right away. I'm sure there were some um, hurdles and maybe some failures. Um, is there anything that you are willing to share? Any aha moments uh, that led you um, to where you are today? That's a great question. I know early on, um, I was, you know, sometimes we get hobbled by our insecurities and. I know early on when I was hiring people and I didn't know what I was doing. I, I hired this one for, I started my office from scratch, by the way. And I hired someone and I said, we're going to be really slow for a while. And it may take a while to really build up some momentum, you know, probably a good, 
could be like eight, nine months before, you know, you get the recall coming in and word of mouth happening and doing all the different uh, stuff inside the town so that you can get your, your name and picture out there. So <clears throat> she left, I want to say six weeks after we started. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so I had to hire another person and I had this woman happened to have worked in the dental office and she stayed with me for a couple of years. Um, she, you know, she, she was single at the time and then she had a boyfriend and she got married and she moved away. But I bet you she would have stayed with me for a little longer. Um, and then, you know, the different people that I hired over the years, you know, I've, I've got to really kind of, you, you can read people and you can see when they're kind of like BSing you and saying, yes, doctor, yes, doctor, yes, doctor. And you're like, mm, I don't, I don't think so. Um, so an aha moment is when you're like interviewing somebody and they keep yesing you to death. And this was before I met uh, Sandy Pardue who was talking about doing like group interviews, uh, which is a great tool to use when you have like three or four people and they're all in your waiting room, filling out an application and they're looking at each other and you're like, what, what are they here for? And, well, you all need to compete for this job that I'm offering. So whoever's going to shine is going to probably get it. Um, but that was another good um, management tool that I learned from uh, Sandy uh, doing the group interview. Um, but once I started doing group interviews, I could really see uh, the benefit of having all these people show up at once. And some people wouldn't even show up because you would say, we're going to do this on Tuesday at six o'clock show up. Um, and I think I've, I've talked with Mike about this before and he's like, yeah, we do this. It seems complicated, but he has a very large staff as well. Um, I'm much, much smaller than he is, but you know, this group interview was pretty, pretty dynamic way of, you know, interviewing people. I love doing group interviews. I've, uh, um, I'm using a slightly different method, which I got from, um, a book called Double Double. Um, can't seem to remember the name of the author now, but it's definitely a great book to check out. Um, and there are two things that I really like about group interviews. One is it's a huge time saver because oh, yeah. you get to meet everyone at once. You don't have to schedule them back to back. You don't have to get interrupted multiple times. And yeah, some people just don't even show up. So that's great. They kind of rule themselves out and you don't waste any time on them. But this group dynamic really allows the leaders in the room to stand out. And you can see who is repeating. So what we do is we go around the table and we ask the same question of every applicant and we rotate who goes first. Yeah. And the great part about it is that sometimes you just see that the next person repeated whatever the person before them no original wow. idea. <laughs> you know, they just oh say the same thing. And then some people don't even pay attention to others. And it, it's their turn to speak. And they're like, what's the question? So you really, really, <laughs> wow. you really tell how these people are. So I absolutely love uh, doing group interviews. And uh, now I don't even have to participate. I used to be me and a few of my uh, team members. Uh, now they just do their own interviews and then I just um, 
I'm just there for the final rose ceremony. <laughs> so, so what are some of the other lessons that you've learned uh, in team management? Um, it's, well, I've been, you know, I've, since I've been practicing, you know, 25 years now, I think, um, it's one of the things that I, even at this age, I'm still learning. Um, you know, I belong to a group of, uh, you know, like-minded people. And, you know, I'm the oldest one. I'm, they call me grandpa. <laughs> I didn't know we'd call you that. <laughs> well, talk to Peter. Um, but the, uh, I, 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 I love learning. I love not staying the same or status quo, um, you know, guys like Tim and Mike, uh, Chris, Peter, you know, even Steven. I'm still learning a lot from all these different people. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There is someone out there who is doing it. You just need to find that person and pick their brain. Um, and that's what I do. I ask questions. I ask them, really, how you do that? Okay. I go and do it. And then I have a little stumble block and then I ask a follow-up question they give me some answers and then before you know it it's part of the practice and been doing that with this group for I don't know three or four years now um more great probably more yeah I think we're coming up because we already had four practice on fire this is going to be our fifth right Mm -hmm. practice on fire life right I think you're right yeah first one was in uh at Scott's place and then I think we did a couple at Scott's place. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I'm learning lots of stuff, even at my old age of almost 52. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what I really love about our practice on Fire Group is that we have um, solar practitioners like you, we have, um, people with big practices like Mike and myself, um, people who are really into niche procedures like Tim, um, all the practices are very different. And yet we're able to get along and we ask questions and we get good answers, no judgment, uh, no snarkiness, very, you know, helpful. And we can talk about life and we can talk about, stuff and we can have fun and then we have this great meeting that comes around uh, every year and it's just it's been an amazing experience and and i met so many cool people through that so yeah, i would you 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 uh, summed it up very nicely um we have lots of different ways of doing it we got large ppo groups we have partnerships we have you know, mega groups, we have solo guys, um, and, you know, people who are working every few days, a couple of days a week, you know, people like myself working four days a week, um, and people who have sold practices. Um, it's, we, I think we have a very wide range of dentists in our group, and um, in Every one of them is successful. 
Every one of them is doing well. Everyone is happy. Um, there's no snarkiness. There's no put downs. There's no, that's can't be true. This is, this is, we, we all lay it on the line and we all say what we are doing. And I think people, I think I've learned stuff from me. I know I've learned a lot from, you know, everybody else. So, Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when Graham put the group together, he chose people with abundance mentality, right? And, yep. and uh, it didn't matter where you were living. It didn't matter what kind of practice you had. What was important is that you had this um, view of life that sort of together we can do more, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and it's been a great experience. Uh, in a solo practice, how do you, how do you market yourself? So I, I've done lots of different things. I've done the newspaper. I've done um, Balpac early on in my career. Uh, I've done the loose leaf ads in the newspaper. I've done um, uh, AdWords through Google. I've done Facebook ads. Um, I've done YouTube videos. I've done... The, the website. Um, I've done lots of different things. They, at different points in my career, they have all worked. They're all helped me get to where I am right now. And currently I'm doing uh, Google words and uh, I think they call them Google ads now, mm-hmm. Facebook ads. That's what I'm doing primarily. I do have a, a monthly um, 11 by 18 practice thing that goes out to the residents of my town. And um, so that goes out plus all the stuff that I do inside the town as far as um, uh, they have to have like a, in the springtime coming up next month, as a matter of fact, they have a, uh, like a, a health fair that I, I've been doing. And that's been pretty, uh, pretty nice. It, I don't know if it gets me any patients per se, but it's just another way of putting myself out in front of the town. Um, I don't live in the town that I practice in, um, but this is one way that I can at least get out there and get to know people. Um, over the 20 plus years I've been in this town, you know, the people at the post office know me, the, the plazas I'm located in, they all know me, um, and the different businesses that I, you know, go to. They all know me. So it's, it's, um, you know, it, through, there's lots of things that you should be doing, um, like I, like I do right now with getting out in the town. But, you know, putting yourself out there, um, is probably going to be the best way to, to make, make a name for yourself. I agree. I think, especially if you're a personable, dentist, you know, <laughs> I yeah. think that, uh, you know, being out there and meeting people is, is really, people like to put a face to a name and personality, uh, yeah. to a name. And, uh, and when they need a dentist, they will probably think of the dentist that they've met before. And if there is something going out to them that you're continuously keeping yourself in front of their eyes, um, eventually they'll probably, uh, give you a call when they need a dentist. Um, yep. last, last question for you. Um, a lot of dentists experience burnout. 
in their career. Uh, have you dealt with that? And uh, if so, then how did you overcome it? And if you didn't, then uh, how did you avoid it? Um, yeah, there was, there was a, uh, a period, I want to say... I want to say it was probably around 2004 or so, um, maybe 2002. In you know, the practice was kind of plateauing, and um, really didn't know what to do. I was already marketing the practice. I was doing the things I just you know told you about the uh, past few minutes ago. Um, I I'm, I contemplated signing up for PPOs and just to get people in the door. But then, you know, I, I talked to people. Um, I had just gotten my fellowship, and I joined a group in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's called the Peak Group. Um, and it's like-minded dentists like our group. Um, and they helped me get my mastership. And by getting my mastership in the AGD, it really did help me get out of that 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 blah zone that I was in and because uh, I'd like to learn and that's one of the things that I got out of that 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 depression if you want to call it um, where I didn't know what to do and how to react and so I became I joined this group and I learned how to do other things in dentistry and by doing other things, um, I climbed out of that hole, and now I could do this procedure, that procedure, and, I, and dentistry was fun again. And I realized that if I stop learning, I will go back into that hole, and I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be unhappy with my relationships with my family. Uh, and so for me, I need to learn. I can't just sit there and do nothing. Um, so from then on in, I was get, doing over 100 hours of CE a year. Um, didn't matter what it was. And I would just say, I'm going to this, I'm going to do this continuum, this implant continuum, for example. And I would go and I would get on a plane and I would fly somewhere and go away for the weekend. Um, and I would just become very good at whatever it was. And I would take the course and sometimes it'd be something I wasn't really interested in. I took lots of um, classes on how to do uh, periodontal surgery. Didn't really like it because for me, it wasn't predictable. I tried it. I learned it. I understand it. I know now to just send it to the, the periodontist and they'll do it. Um, you know, I love making dentures. I love extracting teeth. If I could have a practice where all I did was take out teeth and make dentures, I'd be extremely happy. But, you know, there's other things I like as well. So, um, but I think, you know, continuing education really helped save my, uh, my life and my career. Wow. Inspiring. And, you know, there's something that you said that I, I kind of want to go back to because I've had the same experience. I, uh, I took a crown lengthening, uh, like a continuum and I started doing them and I didn't like it. I did a lot of different hands-on endo courses, including Buchanan, just don't like endo. Uh, I did ortho for a while, four years of ortho, and um, 
I've gotten pretty good at it, but I don't like it. But, you know, so I don't do any of these things. But you know what? Having that knowledge just makes me a better dentist. And it makes me more confident talking to patients, more confident diagnosing. I know what's possible. And so I completely agree. Even if you're not going to do these procedures, go learn, become a, become a better dentist. And, and definitely to add to that, even though we didn't talk about this, uh, learn how to uh, run a business as well, especially if you have yep. employee issues and, and other things, which you don't have. But so I think because you're such a nice guy, you're just, you're just, in, oh, thank you, Gina. <laughs> you're just, <laughs> you're just a very, very nice person. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show and, uh, you know, sharing your life story with us and sharing your wisdom. It was inspiring. I, um, I like to get stories like yours out because of, uh, there's so much negativity out there. And I want people to hear stories about successful dentists doing it their own way. So thank you. Well, thank Have you a- for having me. Have a wonderful evening and the rest of your week. You as well. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.